0: Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to
1: maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Got on board westbound Good morning, Karen. Good morning.
0: So yeah, our bumper music is brought to you by number one hits of 1973. All right. You've heard this song before. Yes, I have. So
1: this,
0: the guy you're going to hear speaking, also from 19, well, actually from 1974, but same time period, was born in a poor family in Southern California, small okay. town in Southern California. Okay. Um, and we're talking about the 1973 because it's... It was a very similar time in this country. It, we we were going into a major recession in 1973. Okay. Um, and a lot of people today think we're going into a major recession. And I think there was also some similarities between what was happening politically in 1973 as there is in 2020. Mm-hmm. So, Carrie, do you recognize this voice? Well, I can get... Zero. Overall, Americans are living more abundantly than ever before today.
1: More than two and a half million new jobs were, rec- were created you know who in the past is, year okay. alone. That is the biggest percentage increase oh, in nearly It's on the tip of my tongue. Years. People
0: are earning more. This <laughs> is President earn, Nixon. More.
1: Okay. More than
0: the State of the bill Union bill bill address bill. in January of 74. In the past five years, the average American's real spendable income... That is, what you really can buy with your income, even after allowing for taxes and inflation, has increased by 16%. Despite this record of achievement, as we turn to the year ahead, we hear once again the familiar voice of perennial prophets of gloom. We don't hear any prophets of gloom today, today, do we, That because of the need to fight inflation, because of the energy shortage, America may be headed for a recession. Hmm. Well, let me speak to that issue head on. Here we go. There will be no recession in the United States of America.
1: Well, <laughs> uh, that's amazing because in all fairness, I would hope nobody wants a recession, but I don't think a president can say there's not going to well, be. Well, it's
0: not the first time, you know, well, like President Nixon say... maybe said a comment that <laughs> he had a... Yeah, kind of eat his yeah, own words.
1: I, I, I want because
0: it. actually, so this was the State of the Union in January of '74. Actually, in the, the history tells us the recession started a couple months before that. They, he just didn't know <laughs> it.
1: Well, you say how many times on this show, Mark, have you said, you know, most people don't realize it until it's over right. or the effect of it.
0: So you know, and so what you know, what other similarities? Well, um, okay, so President Nixon at the time was under impeachment. Hmm, and not is there any similarities today's president? Mm. Um, There was a big oil, big problem going on. Right. Um, it was called the oil embargo crisis back in seventy three, seventy four. What? We didn't we just kind of have a oil war with Russia and open? But isn't
1: that because I mean we have a huge difference? We have this COVID nineteen. Well, (laughs) we're
0: just saying okay. By by the way, in nineteen. Uh, seventy three, seventy four. There was a major stock market crash.
1: Right. Hmm.
0: Okay. Out coming off, by the way, a double digit return in the stock market in nineteen seventy two.
1: Hmm. I Any still similarities say it's here? Different a, this time. We had
0: a double digit in, uh, right. market in uh, twenty nineteen, only to have a market crash in early twenty twenty. Um, also, uh, President Nixon in seventy three, seventy four was dealing with China.
1: Well, I think we've always been dealing with China.
0: Um, I'm just, I, I'm just drawn, you know,
1: I know some but... similarity.
0: So, so what isn't the same between what happened in 1973 and actually that was a, the classic U shape recovery, uh, you know, it went through 1975. It was a bad one. Um, you know, the, the, the Mark Dow Jones was down, I think 45%. Um, there was, but the difference was the culprit there in 73 was stagflation,
1: okay, okay. Uh,
0: which is not a, a good thing. You know, that's when there, you have high unemployment and high inflation at the same time, okay? So that's a bad one, right? You know? um, now, today, right now, it's not so much that we're worried about stagflation, we may actually be more worried right now about de inflation or you right. know, the idea that, um, yeah, we have the unemployment, Um, But we've got a drop in consumer demand, which, you know, again, is is we don't have I don't think of the threat of inflation, but we have another threat. You know, if if the consumer demand, if we're not buying products, companies aren't making products. If the companies aren't making products, they don't need employees to sit around waiting until they do make markets. So they lay people off. And as more people get laid off, that continues the spiral of less consumer spending, which leads to more layoffs. That's the death spiral that we're worried about in a deflationary, uh, you know, status, and so you know, and so we've got, uh, you know, so you know, maybe very some similar things um, happening. So they do, they do happen though, and we do recover from recessions. So what we've been talking on this show is, you know, how do you protect your family from the next economic downturn? We've been talking about that for the last three years. Okay, Um, and the time to prepare for the economic downturn is when times are good. All right. Now, we've also more recently, you know, since March, have been talking about, okay, what's the plan now if you didn't plan for the economic downturn? Because a lot of people didn't. Right. Um, So, you know, do you just throw your arms up? You just, you know, or no, you have to you know, you have to keep active. You have to stay active. You can't be paralyzed by the fear or the giving up. You know, you, we, you know, we're very active planners at the estate planning team. And we're saying, okay, so what steps can you do? Um, and, and Or, you know, do you have to modify your economic models, just like the, uh, the world today is modifying their uh, COVID-19 models? Right. And just like the Federal Reserve is modifying their economic downturn models? Um, I'm not so sure you shouldn't be doing that with your own financial model. In other words, you know, your plan A, your plan B, your plan R, you know, you know, you know, do you want to, you know, assume a V-shaped recovery? Do you want to assume a U-shaped recovery? How about a W or are you in the Nike Swish recovery? You know, they're all, you know, nobody knows what the answer is. The, The idea is, you know, what gives you peace of mind that you can move forward with either if you have to make a major financial decision. In the next year or two, whether it be uh, retirement or whether it be mm-hmm. buying a new house, could be uh, having to pay for a daughter's wedding, you know, anything, you know, and, and kind of go over there. All right. Get us started. Gary.
1: All right. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought. We are here every Saturday morning on 1420 a.m. between 9 and 10. We are a financial educational talk program here to give you helpful information, talk about planning strategies and concepts and how financial news relates to you and talk about opportunities as well as the potential problems. And um, it is sponsored by the estate planning team. And the estate planning team is a fee-based traditional financial planner, um, an Ohio registered fiduciary planning firm. And what we do is build custom financial plans. We're not investment advisors. We do look at people's assets or clients in terms of risk Growth and tax efficiency, but our clients either do the investments on their own or work already with an existing investment advisor. And if you've listened to the show, you know we believe with coordination of plans. We help people who are working or who are already in retirement. And looking at, I heard when Nixon said it's about net spendable dollars and getting clarity, Mark, you talked about these financial plans of, okay, this was my plan to retire this day, but this happens. And now maybe that plan changed. So, I don't know how I'm going to have to adjust. Right um and being able to put that together in that modeling and then taking advantage right now we have more favorable rates uh tax rates they're only uh, go- good through right now through 2025 well
0: unless congress extends right. them do or makes think, them permanent but... do you
1: think tax cuts are going to continue <laughs> i, I think tax rates are going to go up in the future
0: with a split congress i don't know if yeah. m- any major tax law uh, so right now rates are going to go down any you know for
1: the people that don't know which i'm surprised um they With a suspension of minimum required distributions for 2020, um, many people have opportunities, especially if you have IRAs, company plans and steps you may want to take this year that can at least set yourself up, especially if tax rates are going up to minimize future tax liability. And even when we were talking about that, I thought about a case that we've been working on for a couple months where we had someone come in for a free consultation, which, by the way, we do offer either by phone or in person for people want to come in. They initially called because the plan was to retire at 65. So then they could go on Medicare. His um, It was a couple. The wife was a couple years older. She wasn't working. She had already she worked part time and um, was no longer working. But now he's sixty-three and he was kind of like a forced buyout severance kind of he knew well if I don't take the buyout, I'm, you know, gonna be forced out.
0: Yeah, very common. So you know, that's
1: two years, so they're really worried about great, I have two years. They looked, they got the price tag on Cobra, was shocked. It's a little, a little sticker, sticker shock. The right. So now does this change our plans of Retirement and all our things. Well, um, at least that's what we're doing. We're working on building those price tags and time frames and conservative growth rates and inflation. And for this couple, they have quite a bit of money in four hundred one k's. And so then it's taking. A, you know, how do we do an effective distribution plan from those assets? And so now they do have kids, but their primary goal isn't to create a big pot of money for their kids. Unlike necessarily the depression generation and people who were originally working with the estate planning team who had estate tax was a big issue with Ohio repealed federal uh, exemption very high that doesn't hit most people. They said, look, we've helped our kids along the way. If we leave them something, they get something, but we want to spend and enjoy it, and we want to make sure we're okay. Now we have a couple years of health care costs that we have to cover, at least for the husband because the wife's older. Um, so those are the things that we're modeling and we can help. Remember, we do offer a free consultation. We're very different. Um, we do them right now by phone or if you're comfortable, we're in person. Our home office is in Middleburg Heights and we can ask you to fill out stuff and do some preliminary analysis, or we can just show you examples of cases if you want to come in and you can take advantage of the free consultation at 440-239-2090. That's 440 440- Two three nine twenty ninety, or you can visit the website at financialfoodforthought.com. dot com. That's four four zero two three nine twenty ninety.
0: Oh, excuse me, Carrie. I'm just having a sip of I uh, brought in some Belmont jewels. Um, all right. Belmont. You know, again, thanks, China. I won't be able to, you know, listen to the <laughs> Belmont steaks. Today. There's a lot of
1: times, thanks, uh, China.
0: The, um, But have you ever had a Belmont jewel? No. Or a Belmont breeze? I mean, they've had, you know, we because, you know, again, the, the, all the Triple Crown races have their own cocktail, right? Mm hmm. And so, um, of course, the Kentucky Derby is famous for the mint julep, and that's been very consistent. The other ones, certainly the Belmont Steaks has kind of changed over the years. But the Belmont Breeze, that's a little bourbon, a little sherry, a little orange, a little cranberry, and a little mint.
1: That might okay. be good.
0: I'm shaking over ice, but but do you, but not many people have a lot of sherry lying around. Do you have I a bottle gonna... of sherry? Anywhere? No, no.
1: That sounds like too many ingredients. Yeah.
0: So there's an easier one. <laughs> so the, that's the so the Belmont Jewel is a little bit easier. You got yeah, yeah bourbon. We all got that lying around. You right. know, lemonade. You can find okay. some of that around. And what's the other little red fruit? Not the cranberry, but the other the little, maraschino no, cherry. No, the, the the tiny like fruit prom. Uh, Pomegranate
1: pomegranate? Yeah. There you go. Oh like the big fruit that has a little seed that's yeah, okay.
0: yeah. that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah it's pome- not a little it's, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a big fruit with a little seeds. Yeah, right. it's weird. <laughs> okay. That's why you're yeah. it's good, but so, weird. All right. So uh you know, whatever. I yeah, you know, I can skip the, you know, lemonade and the pomegranate. Just you know, give me the bourbon in these times. U.S. economy shrank five percent in annual rate in quarter one. Ouch. Mm -hmm. Um, Unemployment rate stands at you know for April fourteen point seven percent. The jobless claims came in this week at two point one million. That brings the Mm ten week total to forty one million. Here, right here in Ohio, the jobless claims this week came in at forty two thousand, bringing the ten week total to one point three million. Okay, the Ohio has already dispersed in unemployment benefits three point one billion. Ouch! And that's only going out to six hundred forty four thousand claimants of the one point three million who have filed. Wow, um, dire situations. Well, um, and maybe that's
1: why there is the simple, simply wise retirement confidence index did a study early May and said that twenty six percent of people were planning to delay retirement. There you go. I would think that's a little low based on everything going on. Uh,
0: so um all right, so maybe a little bit more on the Belmont stakes later on. Um what else is happening, Carrie? So we've been talking about you know, how can you plan um in a pandemic? Um a couple of things. You have to look for opportunities. And we had some major tax law changes, right? And you mentioned that, you know, there's still people calling in today saying, is it true I don't have a required minimum distribution I have to take this year? Yeah, that's true. Um, but, you know, how does that fit into your plans? I mean, maybe you need the money for spending. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe you, like you say, maybe you want to do a Roth conversion. Right. Um, maybe you, you know, maybe this changes if you were doing qualified charitable distributions. Maybe this changes your opinion about that. Okay. Um, if you were, you know, and, and and so, you know, part of that is saying, okay, how do you stay active this year? You know, when when you have these things going on. Um. And, so so one of them is, for example, let's see if I can think of a, a case that I've been working on. Um, all right, so so normally, Carrie, um, you know, we get the comment a lot of times. Hey, you know, Mark, I've got some excess cash lying around, right? I, my cash reserve is too high. You know, rates are going low again. You know, CDs aren't paying anything. You know, so I, can I just put some of my cash into my Roth IRA? And it's like, well, no, we call that a Roth IRA contribution. Mm-hmm. Right? And in order to do that, you need earned income. OK, so if you are retired and don't have earned income, the answer is no. Mm-hmm. You can't just take your excess cash in your savings account and drop it into your Roth IRA. All right. Um, You can, however, do Roth conversions. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's where you take existing IRAs and convert them over to Roth IRAs. And that's what a lot of people are looking at, because in the in the standard rule, you cannot convert your required minimum distributions to Roth IRA. Right. The law doesn't allow that. But in a year where you have no required minimum distributions, that means from dollar one coming out of your IRA, you can convert over to Roth IRA. Also, normally at this time, Carrie, I'm talking to the audience about, you know, what they're going to do on their second quarter tax estimate due June 15th. Right. If in fact they're making or plan on making quarterly estimates. Now, here's where I'm saying this year is different. This is all leading somewhere, Carrie. Mm-hmm. Right? So this year's different because the first quarter estimate normally due April 15th and the second quarter estimate normally due June 15th have both been extended now to July 15th which is the extended due date for the 2019 right. income tax returns. Not only the extended due date to file, also the extended due date to pay. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so that's coming to play. Now, here's where we get into the problem, right? Um, so a, a lot of times, you know, we, we, when we're talking about the quarterly estimates, we talk about, well, what's your plan? Are you going to follow a previous year safe harbor? Or are you going to follow a current year safe harbor? The idea is you don't necessarily want to get big refunds. Now, maybe you do want to get big refunds, right. but we don't recommend that. You know, why give the government an interest-free loan, especially when times are tough? Um, so, you know, so the idea is, as a matter of fact, it's okay to owe money on April 15th. You won't be charged an underestimated penalty unless you owe too much, right? And so how do you know you don't owe too much? You've got to meet one of these safe harbors. Um, and, you know, and, and the previous year, Safe Harbor is where you're just saying, I got to pay in timely 100% of last year's tax. The caveat to that for federal is if in the previous year, your adjusted gross income is in excess of $150,000, you got to bump 100% up to 110%. Ohio just has the 100% rule. Or you could go on a current year Safe Harbor. And that just says, as long as you've got paid in timely, at least 90% of your actual current year tax liability, you're covered Um, On the current year, safe harbor. Now, so here's where the problem starts, Um, because a lot of people out there, um, we've had to go over this. This is our clients. This may be your position, you know, audience as well, is that normally you were doing required minimum distributions and Mm -hmm. you were doing withholding on those required minimum distributions that helped you pay your estimated taxes.
1: Right, because we have some clients that never pay estimated taxes, and then in November, December, when we're looking at year-end planning, they do all of their withholdings because then it helps with the Mm -hmm. cash through their IRA, through their minimum.
0: Right, because as long as it's withheld by December 31st, the government treats it as coming in evenly throughout the whole year. The quarterly estimates, you have to file those timely.
1: Correct. And it's a lot of hassle.
0: You know, you got to get the coupon, that silly coupon. You got to get an envelope and a stamp. You got to write out a check. You know, we always recommend if you do that, make copies of all that um, before you send it away. And and, and Not that we've had any problems with people filing quarterly estimates before, Carrie. We've seen everything under the sun. Oh, I, you know, they people forget to do one of the th- four they quarters. they thought they
1: did it, but then yeah. when they look through their checkbook, oh, maybe I missed that maybe one. Maybe I didn't.
0: You know, or when, they, when they're going to their tax preparer and he's saying, well, do you make any quarterly estimates? And they say, yeah, I think so. That's not a lot of help for the tax preparer.
1: Right. You and know, by doing that withholding through IRA, we have people that do 100% depending on their minimum, and then their money's working for them through the year.
0: Carrie, how often over the decades um, have we seen it? Have I introduced ourselves? I'm just I
1: don't them. know. Okay.
0: We've got Mark Donnelly and Carrie <laughs> Waddell, if you're new listeners. We're the corners of the state planning team. What reminded me about that is about over the, you know, we've been doing business for over 35 years. But how many times over those 35 years, Carrie, have we had the situation where the client's federal estimates somehow got put into the Ohio envelope and the Ohio estimates somehow got put into the federal envelope?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's happened a few times, right?
1: I can at least count on one hand.
0: Um, yeah. So, you know, so there's always problems with the agreement. So a lot of people say, well, I don't I like to get away from those silly coupon quarterly estimates. And can I just do it through withholding? Well, the problem this year is if you're not going to do a required if you're not required to do a, a minimum distribution and you don't plan to because you don't need that cash flow, you also are not going to have that withholding done. See, the, your robot may think that the same withholding you had done on your IRA distributions last year is going to be the same amount that you have done this year. As a matter of fact, that probably is the robot's uh, assumption unless you tell the robot differently.
1: Right. It's a default.
0: So it might it may have put you on, it may assume that you have a certain amount of withholding that you had in the previous year. So it's saying you don't know it, you're fine on one of your safe harbors
1: which actually you may not be fine
0: if you don't do right and and so you know so this is kind of problem now so um so we, I was working with a client and basically what they were saying what they were saying well mark you know I'm thinking about doing a Roth conversion this year because I don't need to do my required minimum okay um and you know typically um, and he wanted to, you know, and, and the, we worked out the thresholds. We you know, played the tax limbo game and say, well, how much do you want to do? And I'm just going to kind of do the math. He's going to do about a $10,000 Roth conversion. Okay. All right. So he's in about a 15% effective federal and state rate. So he's going to owe about $1,500 on that Roth conversion. All right. So he was just thinking he was going to do withholding on the Roth conversion. Mm -hmm. And and by the way, he was one of the one that, you know, in the past, he said, well, I've got my excess cash reserve, but he knew now he can't really put his cash into the Roth IRA because he's not, he's retired. Um, But so he's saying, so in his mind, he was going to do a $10,000 Roth conversion, have, you know, 15% federal and Ohio withholding tax. And then that would leave 8,500 that would go into the Roth IRA. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now you can put a zero. On the back of that, you could put a zero. You could take away a zero. It's the issue is the same. Right. All right. Um, now, so we said, I said, well, wait a second. Maybe we can find a better way to do this. Because we knew he had excess cash, not earning a whole lot of money. And we said, you know, we can, instead of doing the withholding on the Roth conversion, why, you know, because what he liked about the Roth conversion now, Carrie, doing it now is because the market's down. So he, his idea is saying, well, if I can, while the market's down, I'm going to hold on to those equity positions anyways. Correct. Now I believe in the regrowth when it comes back and all the regrowth will come back tax free in my Roth IRA.
1: So I just created even bigger Roth tax free yeah. pot of money just by doing it when the market's down.
0: And I'm going to still collect the dividends on those positions while I'm waiting for the market to come back. Right. So but here's the so, you know, so doing Roth conversions on a market downturn, if you're just going to hold that position anyways and converting over to Roth, so all, the, all the growth comes back tax in the Roth IRA. Not a bad idea. Right. Opportunity. We have a lot of clients. Doing, we had a lot of clients doing that back in 2008, 2009 recession um, now. So but he was I said, well, let's go. in Let's do a two step. In other words. Okay, yeah, you could do withholding on the Roth, but now that $1,500 isn't going to come back tax-free in the Roth IRA. As a matter of fact, now you're selling that position low. You're kind of locking in the loss just to give the money to the government.
1: Mm, maybe not the best idea.
0: Okay, why don't we use your cash, your excess cash, right? that we can pay quarterly estimates. So that way, all 10000 of your IRA distribution can be converted to Roth. Mm-hmm. Now you got the full ten thousand converted over in the Roth. So it's a two-step transaction. We actually got as we kind of got his excess cash, you know, somehow into this system, so right. he can get more into his Roth IRA for the same tax dollar. All right. Um, now he said, but yeah, but. Am um, I didn't make? And, and this is where he gets the break because he's not behind on quarterly estimates because the one that was due in, in April and the one that was due in June or coming up here in June are now extended to July 15th. Right. So he can still make a quarterly estimate to cover this. You know, the, the, this now this safe harbor that we're working on with the ten thousand Roth conversion and still be deemed timely. So we're working with his CPA. So the CPA is running, you know, the numbers and we're and we're clarifying, you know, are we, you know, you know, what should the quarterly estimate actually be? Um, We're working with his, you know, investment advisor and we're saying, okay, let's we got him picking out what, you know, what positions that we want to convert over to Roth IRA that makes sense to the investment advisor coordinated effort. Um, And now it's going to end up he's going to be in a better position. So it's just the idea of saying, you know, you want to plan, right? In other words, you want to get input. In this case, you know, we got input from the CPA. We got input from the investment advisor. And then we were working with him on the plan as well with the general idea about, okay, what moves can I make in a pandemic world that maybe turn some, you know, lemonade out of some lemon.
1: Right. And too often we hear that. You know, should I do a Roth or not? It's not a yes or no. Or somebody said, I asked my investment person, they said a Roth is a bad idea. Usually it's not a either, it's either not good. It's not usually not either good or bad. It's usually how much you should do over what time period and what's going on with your tax picture each and every year. Just because maybe it wasn't a good, good idea last year or the year before, it's something standalone. And for those people, it definitely opened up a bigger opportunity for people taking minimum required distributions that are now suspended. And those are things, these are opportunities that we look at. Remember, we help people that are working or who are already in retirement look for opportunity, know what steps they should take to protect their long-term financial stability, you know, create that cash flow, look at um, their risk growth and tax efficiency. And uh, we offer a free consultation. Uh, We are an Ohio-registered fee-based Fiduciary planning firm, we have our affordable fees. They're either we have hourly for people who want a little bit of help. Some people maybe have good handle on pieces and parts, but want analysis on specific issues. And we have comprehensive retainers that we help people through every step of the process through. Um, analysis, recommendations, and implementation. And we've been around more than 35 years. We're accredited and A-rated members of the Better Business Bureau. We're super service award winners, multiple years on Angie's list. So if you want to take advantage of a consultation by phone or in person, or visit our website, we have newsletters, we have alerts, we have calculators. You can listen to previous podcasts. Remember, for free consultations, I'm always doing specials. If you contact us through the website, that's four four zero two three nine twenty ninety. That's four four zero two three nine twenty ninety. Or visit financialfoodforthought.com.
0: I, know, I know you mentioned, you know, the, the financial tools are not either good or bad. And, and, right. And it brings to mind, you know, the other thing we've been talking about, about how do you plan now if you didn't plan for the economic downturn right mm-hmm. and you know we have the three things we have talking about you can always go back and listen to our podcast mm-hmm. you catch those on but say no to selling low so you know don't sell your stocks low in a panic i
1: keep forgetting to put that on the website mark
0: um all right <laughs> you know um, that's a good one you know you, you know um a second one is preserve your cash reserve mm-hmm. okay in other words if you think uh do you, you know if you you have a cash reserve. Do you really need to spend it right now on that thing you think you need to spend it on, or is that going to take it too low? You know, um, so in case we say, Well, Mark, how do I, you know, how do I get my cash flow if I don't uh, go down with cash? reserve? Well, you, it could be like refinancing mortgages, you know, to, right. to make lower payments, could be getting a home equity line of credit. A lot of people mm-hmm. are using that in a low interest rate world as their cash emergency right. fund. I mean, if I need it, I can just borrow short term at a very low rate. Um, you could, if you're thinking about buying a car, but you don't want to take the money out of your investments low to come up with the cash to buy the car, you could look at 0% financing. It's available by just about all the auto mm-hmm. dealers right now. Um, you can now, the Stimulus Act allows you, you know, it, it opened the door more so to uh, borrow from your 401k if you're in that position. So, you know, again, that may still be selling low, but, you know, it's still other options, you know, to preserve your cash reserve. But the other one, of course, is utilizing underutilized assets. And and so one of the things, Carrie, that, that you know, how often have, you know, got uh, somebody coming who wasn't saying, Mark, you know, I hear these commercials about annuities, right? Mm-hmm. Fixed annuities. And the idea that they're saying, oh, you can get stock market type returns with no risk to loss of principal. They're lying, Mark. Aren't they?
1: Well, it depends.
0: care. You have. Have you heard right. that once or twice before? Yeah. Okay. So I'll let you think about that. But let me. Let me just say generally. Um, you, you know, kind of come up with a couple of you know comments about that. Well, be careful who you're asking that question to. Right. Because um, my point is, um, if you ask a stock guy what he thinks of fixed annuities, you know, if you ask somebody who makes a living selling stocks and bonds. And you ask him, well, "Should I buy a fixed annuity?" Mm-hmm. Guess what he might tell you:
1: annuities are bad.
0: You think? Now let's flip the coin. Right. If you go to a fixed annuity guy and say, um, "You know, I'm thinking about putting money into the stock market. That's a good idea to buy low. You know, I'm going to buy in this dip. What do you think the fixed annuity guy? You're crazy.
1: Say? You want it all in a per, you know to yeah, preserve principal. Why would you put in the
0: stock market? And remember, casino?
1: income you can never outlive.
0: Right. <laughs> Okay, um, so, you know, do you, do you ever really get that picture? Um, you know, so, you know, you got to be careful and, you know, you have to make your own decisions. All right. So and there is no good or bad tool in the financial toolbox. I don't care. Stocks are not good or bad. Bonds are not good or bad. Muni bonds are not good or bad. Mutual funds are not good or bad. ETFs are not good or bad. But Mar- Fixed annuities are not good or bad.
1: But you also don't want to put hundred percent in stocks, hundred percent in annuity, which we see too many times. People come in and said, "When the market was good, I'm all you know, I'm putting more into the market," right. or "I I'm so worried about the market, I decided to put my whole IRA and do one big annuity." Because yeah, bad idea.
0: Yeah, and we'll talk about that. We're gonna and Carrie, I'll let you comment a little bit more. But I mean, all right. So also the idea that um, because fixed annuities that are not you know. Subject to market stock market losses, so to speak, right? Um, maybe another way, you know, you know, they could, you know, remember, annuities can be inside an IRA. We call that a qualified, right? Annuity. It could be outside an IRA, a, 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 you know, a non-qualified. You annuity. can have
1: annuities in Roth,
0: right? That you're getting t- right, and, and so the idea is, but that is another maybe source. If you've got some of those in your overall nest egg, that may be a source where you're saying, I'm going to tap into that for this year's cash flow because I have availability there. Um, It doesn't, it's not going to, you know, I'm I'm not selling low, so to speak. Um, So it could be a source. But what about the comment when, oh, those commercials are all lying, right? Carrie, what do you say? Well,
1: they're not necessarily lying. It depends because there's different types of annuities. I mean, right now there's pretty much variable annuities, which are tied to the market. Variable annuities have fees, that are charged every year. Right. So
0: variable annuities sold by in registered investment advisors. Right. Your money could really be going into the stock market. You have real stock market
1: risk. And you can lose. If I put 100000 or 10000 in a variable annuity, I can lose. You can lose principal. I can lose principal. And every year I'm charged a fee.
0: A management fee. Just like if you As hired an it. investment advisor.
1: So even if the market did well, depending on the fee, I could lose.
0: So you hear the guy saying, oh, I hate annuities and used to, too, because annuities have high fees. Chances are that particular stock guy is talking about variable annuities where there's an investment manager, securities licensed person, selling that and managing and charging you a management fee inside the contract. Compare that to a fixed annuity. Now,
1: there's fixed and most of them out there now. I mean, there are traditional fixed where you put it in. There's. Right. Multi-year guarantee that you can lock in kind of like a CD. But the most popular now are the fi- fixed equity indexed annuities, which are tied to the market. But if I put in $10,000 or $100,000, I'm not going to lose my principal.
0: Right. Because in this case, your money is not really going into the stock market. All, all you're contracting with the company, the life insurance company, is, is saying that what they pay you will be Based on a market index,
1: and usually they have different type. They usually have a fixed strategy, right. and then they have different strategies. And like all annuities, they have different surrender terms that you need to be aware of, right? Um, and what the penalties are if you want to get out early. Um, but with the fixed equity index, if I put ten thousand or a hundred thousand, there are no fees. Right. The insurance company pays commissions to the person selling right. it. So, so those, right, 10, they don't work
0: for free, right? right. So
1: if I put ten thousand in. I'm going to get 10,000 on my contract. If I put 100,000, I get 100,000. Right, so and it's say, usually a one-time like as yeah. far as not an ongoing, but um there's different options. Yeah, so
0: like let's say what are what's the annual fixed guaranteed rates that fixed annuities are saying now?
1: Uh anywhere from 1 to 2% okay, 1% depending to 2%. on the term.
0: So, you know, so basically if you put $10,000 or $100,000, you add and subtract the zeros accordingly. Um, in other words, that goes to work for you. And if they say our fixed rate, if you want to choose that option, we're going to pay you one and a half percent for the first year. Right. Well, that one half percent will be on the what you put in. Right. So you could say, yeah, it's it, it, now if you take it out too early, then you you mentioned you pay the surrender right. penalty. That's how they, you know, get the.
1: the, the and they also have lots of other strategies and each company has their own strategy tied in the annual point to point tied to the S&P. Some of them are tied to the NASDAQ. There's some that are tied to the um, value of gold and some to real estate and other things. So there's different strategies, but you need to know what questions to ask. And I know also we deal with people, you know, there's some people, annuities that have these guaranteed income riders. Some riders, even though it's a fixed equity index, some riders are included in, and but you can only access it if you wait five years and then turn on the income for a minimum of 10 other riders do have a charge, so if I put in ten thousand or a hundred thousand, even though my annuity not, you need to be aware that there could be a percentage fee every right. year for the rider because it 's kind of like an add on right that 's an option right? right, but people need to understand what they 're getting like any you know people are usually more diligent about if they have an investment account looking at it periodically, where the annuity sometimes people get it, and they really don 't understand how it works. Um, what questions to ask. So, you know, we help people, you know, with any advisor asking the questions that maybe they should be asking, but they don't. And those are areas we help. And we've been around more than 35 years helping people for good and bad times. Call the estate planning team for a free, no obligation consultation um, by phone or in person at 440 239 2090. That's 440 239 2090 or visit. Financialfoodforthought.com.
0: All right, Carrie, you're running, right? You've got yeah. to run. Okay, so I've, I've got to carry out the show from here. Well, um, so we'll keep talking about annuities. Carrie, I'll ask you to come back next week and talk a little bit more about these different options that, you know, say, okay, so you can have a, maybe a better understanding of why there's this big debate out there about the idea, are annuities good or bad? All right. So another underlie underutilized asset, perhaps, you know, so the, the concept is if you didn't plan for the recession, what is your plan now? In the idea that if you have to come up with cash and you don't want to sell your stocks low, what other alternatives, you know, are out there? Another one that sometimes we check in with clients is what if they have, you know, that shoe box way back in the, in the closet or up high in the shelf in the closet that's got inches of uh, U.S. savings bonds. That they've just been gathering dust because they bought them, you know, maybe a long time ago and they don't think they've matured yet. Uh, maybe some of them have, maybe some of them haven't. But they've never needed them. In other words, it, it was always there for an emergency. Um, they never had that emergency or they never, it was too much trouble to try to figure out how to liquidate them, all right? Now, sometimes you can just take it down to your you know, bank and they'll liquidate them. But you know, over the years, some of the banks got out of that customer service. And in that point, you have to kind of wrap them up and send them into the treasury direct you know, but that's a lot of work. Um, so, but, you know, so how could that maybe come into play? Well, certainly it's not a good idea that if they have matured, and we're talking about the double E bonds, it could be the I bonds. Let's say the double E bonds. Um, if they've already matured, you really should start t- doing something with them. I mean, they're not paying any interest anymore. You can't convert them to HH bonds anymore. You can't even really give them away. You can't give them away to charities. You can't give them away to your kids. You still have to trigger the tax, you know, on the tax ID number of the of the bond holder. So there's not a whole other options. Now, there may be an option if they were purchased after 1990 that you can, you know, kind of zero out the tax effect because you can roll them into a five twenty nine plan, a college savings plan, you know, just make sure you you know there's some limitations on that, including if you were making too much money, you may not be able to do that. So again, coordinated advisors, I can't stress that enough. Um you gotta cross the T's and dot the I's. But barring that, okay, it, the other problem is if they have matured, uh, actually the taxes are due. So, you know, this is a small, you know, you know, not a lot of people are aware of this. Um, that, you know, mature double E bonds, technically the taxes are due in the year of maturity, whether you chose to redeem them or not. And, you know, now the government isn't actively going after, uh, delinquent income tax payments on mature double E bonds, but I wasn't too long ago, at least, well, like I said, we've been doing business for 35 years. I remember at a time when, um, you know, you know, uh, bondholders were getting letters that actually the government had farmed that out to a to a third party collecting uh, collector's office. And they were getting uh, and people were getting letters saying, hey, we are we have records say that you've uh, you're the owner of matured bonds that haven't been redeemed yet. Do you understand your tax uh, liability is due? Um, so, yeah. So now, will they ever go act those again? I don't know. But so how we backed it. So because, again, so what we're saying is if you're trying to come up with cash now, you don't want to sell your stocks low to do that and lock in your losses. And. Um, and you're saying, well, I got these bonds sitting in the shoebox. Well, one thing is, you know, it, it's somewhat tax efficient because only the interest part is taxable. So you're going to get your, you know, your basis back. Now there's probably not a whole lot of basis there. You know, you, you usually buy, you know, we usually bought the bond at half the face value, right? So you know, if you bought a fifty dollar bond, you have a twenty five dollar tax basis, and then you've got the accrued interest. Um, But the other thing is um, that that interest is subject to federal income taxes, but Ohio doesn't tax it. Okay, so you're getting a little break on the Ohio taxes when you're redeeming those double E bonds. Um, Now, you know, so now you could say, well, that may be fine and dandy when I've got, you know, I was planning, Mark, I was planning on doing that anyways because I had a bunch of bonds maturing this year. But maybe you've got some bonds that maybe aren't actually maturing to next year or the following year? Well, you could still look at that and say, okay, if I redeem them early, I'm going to lose the interest. Um, But, you know, you have to look at that if you're really not trying to sell your stocks low. um, And and maybe you're saying, well, maybe if I hold on to those stocks, maybe, you know, in a couple of years, the regrowth on those stocks, and maybe actually the... um, the dividends, I'm still collecting the dividends if I'm not selling those stocks, maybe that can compensate for the, um, you know, decrease in interest that I'm giving up by, you know, that guaranteed interest that I'm giving up by, you know, redeeming the bonds before the year of maturity. Um, So, you know, but again, it's just the idea that, you know, are you thinking about ways, are you actively thinking about ways to, um, you know, kind of deal with that? Um the other thing too is um you know just just a quick tax brief there's there's a lot of you know questions right now everybody i kind of realizes that we have a little student loan debt crisis in this country um and you know it's interesting because um there actually you know maybe some bipartisan support to deal with that. Now, there has been some, you know, deferrals or you know, in other words, for, you know, for the federal student loans that they, you know, that, you know, kids, you know, the borrowers have some time that they can put off paying, you know, paying those back right now. But, you know, and then, but with the real, the bigger talk, you know, we keep talking about, you know, what the fifth bill is going to have, um, and you know, is there going to be more relief for student loans? You know, it, when we had the you know, all the Democratic candidates who are running for president, you know, of course, there were a lot of talk at the on those Democratic debates about you know, forgiving the student loan um, debt, right? And it's a big number, uh, it's getting bigger. Um, and, you know, be, going beyond, you know, just the idea of forbearing the loans where you don't have to make the payments for a couple of years and you don't get a penalty. Now, there's been some problems with that plan as well, because, you know, even though the government said, if you, you know, they wanted that the, 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 bar, the, the loaners, the ones who are loaning the money, money out, some of the private loaners, if they for, if they gave a forbearance as well, if they were following the federal's leads, they did not want that that would hurt the borrower's credit rating, okay? So the, so the credit agencies weren't supposed to get information saying that these people that were not paying their student loans because the law said they don't have to for a few months, that it wouldn't reduce their credit ratings. Um, unfortunately, some of that leaked through, and so now we're finding out that um, you know, even though that wasn't supposed to happen that way, some of the uh, bar, some of the loaners, you know, uh, you know, they ended up, you know, giving the information that, you know, now appears that the borrowers are delinquent on their loans from their credit ratings. So that's got to be cleaned up as well. Um, but, you know, but th- there is, like I said, there is some bipartisan support that says, OK, maybe. We are going to um, not, you know, actually forgive an amount. So, you know, there was something in the HEROES Act about that. Um, and there's also been another talk. So you've heard about the bankruptcies, right, uh, And that, that, you know, how many companies have filed bankruptcy in this COVID-19 recession. And the list is, you know, goes on and on. Um, and the idea is saying, well, if companies can do that, and these aren't small companies, right you know j c penny uh, you know uh, maybe some of the airlines, you know you know the uh you know a lot of retail you know they're not small companies. if they can just write off all their debt, why can't the student file bankruptcy to get rid of all their student loan debt and right now, the bankruptcy law doesn't forgive student loan debt in that proceeding. But there has been some bipartisan support to say, well maybe maybe that's how we should resolve this. Maybe we should just let the students if they want file bankruptcy and therefore their student loan debt is forgiven in a bankruptcy court and they can go on their lives. Wouldn't that be a shocker? Now, I don't know if that's going to gain support actually Federal Chairman Powell kind of said, well, he doesn't see why there's any reason why students should not be able to have their student loan debt discharged in a bankruptcy proceeding. So there's a big wig who's saying, hey, maybe that's not such a bad idea. So stay tuned for that. And that's the idea that if you've got a student or maybe you've got your own student loan debt, you know, that may be something, you know, we'll keep our eye on to see if we do see, you know, politically bipartisan support to say, well, maybe there is another solution for this growing you know, student loan crisis in this country. All right, so you're listening to Mark Donnelly. My partner in crime had to cut out a little bit early. Got a few minutes left. Here's another number one song from 1973. 73, the year of great, well, not maybe great, but a, major recession started in this country, where maybe, you know, some similar circumstances maybe think, is is it happening again? Hopefully not. It's always different this time. Maybe the Federal Reserve has learned more. Maybe our political officials have learned more. So do you remember what you were doing on Belmont Stakes Day back in 1973? I, I, I certainly do. What a horse. on the outside is And now it's right into the first You know, the jockey you know, in retrospect said he knew that it was going to be a incredible Belmont stakes for Secretariat. It's just how special it was going to be. You know, he, he always said, you know, anything can happen in a horse race, but he was so confident by the way secretary was acting of the, like the 24 hours before the race. Um, you know, he actually told the, the owner, said, if, if he gets beaten in this race, I'm going to hang up my tack. You know, poor Sham. You know, he, he you know, secretariat's jockey, you, you know, his name was Dracotti, he, he knew that Sham couldn't keep up you know, after running the first two races. He said that he had never felt so much strength under me as I did on that day. We were flying along. He said at one point he realized the only race that was left was against the clock. You know, so secretary had the Kentucky Derby best time ever the Preakness it was a controversy but it ended up in retro history saying he had the best time ever so the jockey said I want no mistake in the Belmont it's gonna be he's gonna have the best time ever like a tremendous machine (laughs) was the announcer's comment came in at 224 flat a record that will never be broken especially now if you heard the you know the Belmont Stakes has been rescheduled for uh, June 20th so it's not too much longer but because the horses haven't had you know haven't been running they they shortened the track for the Belmont you know the Belmont was always the longest one so you know that's going to be a little different but and you know we i mean secretary he defined social distancing right um, and they said you know he had the biggest heart and figuratively and literally where most thoroughbred races, race horses, say, you know their heart is about eight and a half pounds. Secretariat's was over twenty two pounds. They found out in the autopsy. It, it 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 just shattered the racing world when they say I mean he was and they're saying that big heart, it, he was like a locomotive, being able to you know go down in the three races, Kevin, the three track records. I don't think once did the jockey ever have to use his whip. He just said, I just let that horse go. The only thing he said, sometimes I would a little chirp in him and say, you know, keep your focus. Big red, they call him. All right. So hopefully uh, we'll enjoy the Triple Crown yet.